Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales, where we believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I'm also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two, where we are talking to Kelsey Ortiz about her novels. Over these two weeks, you will have heard about writing since first grade, taking seven years to write your first book, finding a narrator quickly after publishing, hiring a cover artist, developing stories from random ideas, promoting your books, copywriting your book to protect it, and her advice to new authors on setting goals for themselves. Bringer's Ascension Death is only a release. Pain is only numbness. Loneliness is only the beginning. Tormented by visions of the crushed and burned bodies of her guildmates, Ray Lynn, the only Lightbringer, hasn't stopped running. Accompanied only by a shadow who protects her from the Brotherhood's control, Ray Lynn fights against the fate she's been told about since childhood. But when her guardian steps out of the shadows, the carefully built walls around her crumble into dust to rid the world of the corrupt Brotherhood. Raylin must trust herself and to not be afraid of who she was born to be. Now, she has two choices to make. Will she succumb to the darkness in her soul? Or will she give in to the temptation of falling in love again? So how many, how many beta readers did you have for book one versus how many you were planning on sending to book two? Um, I had five. Five for book one. So you had five beta readers for book one are you mm-hmm. pl- you said you're planning on more how many more are you planning on um I want to try and get to 10 so double it okay which I'm gonna have all five who read book one I'm planning on asking all of them okay so so but... how did you handle the beta reading process like did you throw it in a google doc did you use mm-hmm. some other weird way <laughs> <laughs> I just did google docs and I I did one beta reader at a time and then went through edited next beta reader edited um this time I'm doing three beta re- readers at once and okay. it's been kind of fun because they're all commenting to each other like oh this scene said this and it's just kind of fun yeah I think um so I talked to PS Nail like two weeks ago I think and mm-hmm. she sent hers to like or maybe it was April Berry. I don't know. I talked to someone <laughs> who said they use five beta readers so that there's a tiebreaker. Like, there's never going to be a tie, but they send it all at the same time so that they do that commenting yeah. with each other. And you're not getting, you know, the same comment over, but then you're getting them all reading at the same time so you get yeah. it back faster. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Although, like, I don't have time to do anything, so... <laughs> I've had people, I have, um, I'm about to do book two, narrate book two for a lady. Um, 
and she had asked me to beta read and I'm like I'm so sorry I'm like I don't have time I'm like I would love to say that I could but like honestly it would take me forever to get it back to you it's like people that send me like books I'm like it's gonna take me I had a couple people at one point I was asking for recommendations for books with Mm -hmm. cliffhangers and so, like, I posted a video on TikTok asking for books, and I had a few that were like, oh, we'll just send it to you, just leave a review. And I'm like, no, I'm going to pay for it because I don't know if it's going to take me a year or two years or three years to get through this book. So I'm like, I would rather pay for it because then I don't feel bad if it takes me forever yeah. to get through it. <laughs> Plus, then, you know, support, like, you know. Exactly. I'm like, ebooks aren't that expensive. So, like, <laughs> And actually, funny, one of the ones that I bought, she ended up hiring me. I'm about to prep her book to narrate. So I'm like, hey. That's awesome. So what kind of videos are you posting? You said you're using mostly, well, social media wise, pretty much only TikTok for mm-hmm. promotion. What kind of videos are you posting? Um, Random stuff. <laughs> I do a lot of like editing tips, writing tips, mm-hmm. um, but then like specifically promotional videos, um, just kind of, you know, mentioning the themes of my book mm-hmm. and just kind of trying to reach out to the audience who might enjoy it. Okay. Have you tried like the ones with the pictures and stuff like that yet? Yeah. Yeah. So I've done those ones. Um, mostly those actually (laughs) there's so many and like now they have the ones with like the cameras where they're like running down the like page of the book with the cover and like it's so cool I'm like man mine are gonna be like the most boring ones on the planet because like I just don't have the time (laughs) I'm like I'm gonna have to either pay somebody to make all these videos for me (laughs) or like carve out you know 10 minutes a day I write and 10 minutes a day I make weird videos but like some authors talk about spending hours editing. And I'm like, I don't have hours to edit a video. I'm like, no. Mine now are like a minute of me talking and then I push, you know, send. Like there's no editing. (laughs) And with the clock app, you know, it's if you spend those hours editing, you're only going to get 200 views. Right. (laughs) Most likely. Like I get 200 views consistently with just me like talking about random crap. Exactly. So why, why spend the extra time if it's going to be 200 views no matter what. Now, my, my <laughs> highest viewed video was literally 15, uh, it might have been a minute, of me talking about my fan that I found for my booth. Because, like, literally every narrator ever complains about how hot it gets in their booth. And even, like, the fancy ones that have, like, air conditioning systems, you can't have it turned on while you're recording because it makes noise. Yeah. So, I, like, I looked into, like, getting, like, a, like, window unit that could like pump air into here or whatever but they were all noisy Um, so I found like a fan that's very quiet and I can I actually edit the sound of it out because it's a consistent noise you can take out of the audio but like I have a couple books I did not know to edit it out (laughs) until I had a sound engineer was like looking at my levels and he's like what is that like consistent thing at the bottom there? And I'm like, oh, that's my fan. And he's like, here, we're going to get that out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but awesome. as far as as far as things go, like the quietness, my your audio has to be like a certain level of quietness yeah. to pass all the checks to go live. 
Um, and like I was still passing all the checks. So I'm like, you know, it only raises the sound this much. And everybody, every voiceover and narrator that saw it was like, oh, my gosh, where do I get this? What is the name of it? I need to go buy this. That's awesome. Oh, man. So that video did really well. All the rest of mine, like 200-ish views. If I get lucky, like the first um, Femme Takeover last July, Mm -hmm. um, my video got more views than like anybody else's, which is, it was insane. I had like 50 videos I put out that day or 30 videos. I don't, insane. I had an insane number. And at one point, I'm, like, messaging um, – I don't know if you know who Paige and Ruthie are. Yeah. Um, but I was – I messaged both of them because they were, like, the two of the ones heading it up. And I'm, like, how many things are y'all doing? This is, like, a couple days ahead. I'm, like, how many are y'all doing? They're, like, oh, we're doing, like, you know, this many. And I'm, like, dude, I have, like, four times, five times that number. <laughs> they were, like, just hand it off. Like, we just asked our authors if we could hand it off if we got too many. I'm, like, I didn't ask a single one of them that. So I'm like, I'm not going to hand it off without having permission to hand it off. That's yeah. that's like hiring an editor to edit your book and then being like, oh, my friend's going to do it instead. It's like, that's no. Really- <laughs> like, so how many yeah, did you, you have? I don't remember if it was 30 or 50, wow. but it was it was a lot. Like all day, like every hour, I would take a break from narrating and I would release four different video clips every hour that's until so I... Many. It was like not. I want to say like nine to five, four videos every hour. It was insane. <laughs> so I had pre-recorded most of them, and then I had a few like the day of that were like, "Hey, can I do it too?" <laughs> so, and I kind of knew that was. I think pretty much all of us knew that was probably going to happen as yeah. you like started posting videos. Um. Yeah, and then the last couple, I had, like, my house had to have foundation repairs done for the next one. So, like, there was, you know, people with jackhammers at my house. I'm like, maybe I can't be recording things right now. (laughs) And then my mother-in-law was in town, and we haven't done one since, because I was around Thanksgiving. We haven't done Mm -hmm. one since then. Yeah. So I'm like, ugh. (laughs) But the last one, I didn't even post a video and I had authors reaching out like, are you doing it? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. No, (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could. (laughs) That day was like, try to get in the booth and get or like that entire week. I was like, get in the booth, get recording done as fast as possible. So you could go hang out with we don't see them. Um, My in-laws live in Missouri and we live in in Texas. Mm -hmm. So like we don't see them but like twice a year maybe so if they're in town like you try to hang out with them as much as Definitely. you can so yeah it was just weird it was a weird week a <laughs> weird couple <laughs> months foundation repairs mother-in-law in town for like a week and a half it was weird <laughs> <laughs> now life is mostly normal that's good as normal as it can be that's good <laughs> So what are your, so you have book twos ready for beta readers. What are your mm-hmm. plans? You're planning on publishing by May. What mm-hmm. are your plans after? How many books is a series going to be? So this series is uh, four books, but I have a prequel planned and then um, kind of an epilogue series after that. Okay. But, it's like a continuing. Yeah. Continuing. It might only actually be one or two books, but, but yeah. I have all of it plotted and planned and ready to go. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
the main story is plotted, ready to go, <laughs> not the details. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mine's like in my head, I know like the major plot points, <laughs> like this is the major thing. But then like, so got 30,000 words in, had to go back to the beginning, read through because I had taken like almost a year break. Yeah. Um, so I had to go back and read back through and remember like, what did I write again? Because I knew <laughs> I wasn't anywhere close to done with the book yet. And so now, and so I started that, I think, let's see, we were in Missouri for Christmas. We got back like the first, and I think I started this on the second. So like I've been doing mm. 10 minute increments every day since like the second or the third. Um, But I had to like, read back through and as I'm reading back through yeah. my book that was going to be a book not a whole series it was going to be a book I'm like oh we should set this further in the future and we should make it more fantasy so we're like renaming some objects with different names and then also I think it'd be really cool to have instead of just the one bad guy we're going to have like the one bad guy and then we're going to have like basically started over from the beginning but following a different character and then, like, they have a different bad guy. And then eventually, you know, it, I don't want to do that too many times. Do it, like, two yeah. more, two times, I guess. Because I'm like, if you're going to fight a big bad guy, you want more than, like, two people. I'm like, it needs to be, like, you know, yeah. six, pe like, main character people. Feels like a reasonable number to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. You don't want to be, like, you know, for ten books, you're just constantly, like, go back to the beginning and follow it <laughs> From someone else. That's a next lot. Character. <laughs> yeah. It's like the next person. What was their life before they met up with these two people? <laughs> <laughs> What's the movie? There's one on a train that does that where it repeats. Um, I don't remember. There's a movie on a train. And it like okay. constantly it's like that one, though, it's like they they aren't getting it right, and so it, like, resets and they have to, like, try again kind of situation. Um, so uh. this would not be exactly like that because it'd be like they're getting it right. It's just like the getting, you know, what did those other two characters do before they met these yeah. people, basically? Um, anyways, the <laughs> creativity is insane. <laughs> And then I have, like, other ideas, and I'm like, when am I ever going to write these? I don't know. <laughs> I know. it. Say, I with this series, you know, this I never really planned on writing anything else besides this series. I was like, this is going to be it. This is going to be the big one. <laughs> Who knows? But I now have another series I've started already. First book <laughs> of that one will be published hopefully this fall. Okay. And then I've got a couple um, standalones that I've planned. I'm like, oh, goodness. <laughs> so the second series, was that kind of like a you needed a break and something else just popped into your head? Yeah. Um, so it, based off of a dream, that classic, <laughs> classic yes. trope. But um, it was right after I had finished book two. Uh -huh. And I did need a break from before editing. Um, but it was a dream that I had and I was like this has to be turned into a book and mm. then honestly it was like a week later I had another incredible dream that I was like this has to be turned into a book <laughs> and I figured out how to make them in the same world so it's going to be um an anthology so each of them you know is a standalone but all in the same universe mm. that type of thing see I want to do like 
mythology retellings and like I have a plan in my head for like taking like Greek and Roman which are pretty much the same thing and then like Norse and African and Australian like taking all these different mythologies and having like standalone series of the like so like the Greek Roman would have like its own standalone series and then Norse but then like have it where they occasionally intertwine. So like the Norse people are in, you know, they like need them, the Norse gods to come help in the Greek world or what, like constantly yeah. intertwining. I want to do something like that, but I have to have time to read all the mythology books first, <laughs> or at least <laughs> some of it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, well, if I, you know, just quit narrating, which I absolutely love to do, then I'd have all the time in the world. Of course. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, also, if I quit narrating, like narrating is what got me back into writing. So I'm like, if I quit that, is like all the creative juice just going to turn off? <laughs> like, also, as of right now, I'm booked to narrate books through August. So like, oh, wow, I'm like, already. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was booked through August in like November. So wow. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, I I am not a don't finish your commitments. Like if you agreed to do something, you should finish it. Um, but I've always said from the beginning, like, I don't want narrating to become my job. I want it to stay a hobby that I enjoy doing, even though I work the hours like it is a job. Um, but like something where it's like I know I could always step away if I had to. After fulfilling the commitments for the series I'm currently doing or whatever. But, you know, it's like I could take a step back if I needed to. Um, But I love it. It's super fun to get to, like, voice all these characters and all these different genres and all these different authors. And, um, yeah, it's super fun. And then I am not – I'm very neurodivergent and I'm not a great – I fake being a people person very well. (laughs) but like my tiktoks i'm like i see all these other narrators and authors that have like all these groups of friends and stuff and i'm like i'm on the outside because i'm like i don't i don't know how to do that i'm I'm in the same boat i'm like i'm just gonna like yeah it was crazy at christmas um we're talking it was me and my uncle we're both very similar like personalities we're talking to my grandma and he was talking about he's gonna go get autism tested and he's like talking like she basically like why and he's like explaining these things that his brain does that he does Mm -hmm. that are not normal things and i'm like oh yeah totally like i do all those same exact things and i just don't see the point in going to get tested i'm a full-grown adult now who works for myself, I'm my own boss. So it literally does not matter if I had a diagnosis. Like, it affects my job, not at all. Yeah. So I'm like, but we're, like, talking about these things. And then she's like, I do that, too. (laughs) And we're like, okay. (laughs) But then she's, one of the things he's like, you know, he's, my uncle says he's, you know, uncomfortable in people situations. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, same. And she turns to me and she's like, you're fine. You act just fine. And I'm like, yeah, the problem is I'm acting. And then I go exactly. home and I'm like, acting. and now I'm going to be quiet for hours because, or talk mm-hmm. to my husband, my poor husband. Um, <laughs> he's like, you always, every time he's like, you'll ask me a question when I have a bite of food to my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> or when I'm about to start a TikTok video, I'm like, 
had a lot to say that day. And like, you're the only grown up that I feel comfortable talking to all the time. Right. <laughs> so, well, that's what husbands are for. <laughs> or my daughter. She has, she's a chatterbox. She is like social butterfly. No idea where she got it from because neither of us are that way. Um, my husband's very like reclusive. And then I'm like, I can fake it, but I prefer not to. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. It is what it is. I just know like, you know, I watch all my friends. I'm so, so proud for like the ones that are working for publishers now that we all started around the same time. And I'm just like, I don't know how they did that, but I also don't want the pressure. So like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the same like querying, the spending the time query. It's the same, same thing for the narrating. I'm like, I don't want to, <laughs> one, I don't want to get rejected, like getting an audition where you don't get the book is one thing, but like a publisher being like, no, you're not good enough. I'm like, uh, no, I don't, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. That's different. Yeah. I'm like, eh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Back to the querying. I just, I can't even, I. It sounds miserable. I just came across a video like 20 minutes before we got on here And the girl was talking about she accidentally sent her manuscript to the same agent that had already rejected her manuscript. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Now now I'd have to keep track of who I sent it to. Yeah. Like, no, no. How about no? And then all the research to figure out what agent you think could work. Yeah. Now, I did talk to um, names or... There's an author on TikTok that got a seven-figure book deal for, like, multi-series. She self-published. I think she was three books in before she got an agent. And then the agent pitched one of her other book series. And when Harper Collins was like, hey, we want your new book series. Can we also have your current book series? (laughs) And seven figures later, I'm like... Yeah, like I'd be okay with that scenario, yeah, like yes. agents coming at me like we would yes. love to represent you. That is totally different. Like, I'm not going to say no if a publisher was all of a sudden like, we would love you on our roster. I'm not going to say no. Exactly. That um, sounds great. <laughs> but I'm also not going to go out of my way <laughs> to like awkwardly pitch myself. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird. This is such a weird world. <laughs> it really is. So Who what <laughs> What ultimately ended up pushing you to publish your book? Um, just to do it. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, I think by the time I decided I was going to self-publish was pretty much the time that I was like, okay, I'm going to go the self-publishing route. So I'm just going to get it out there. And I mean, it still took me like nine months to figure it out. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. I had no clue how to buy an ISBN. I had no clue how to um, get my copyright with the library of Congress. I had no clue about any of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it was really just to get it out there. Cause I was so tired of not being published. So you did know enough to, now the ISBN you can get free ones. Yeah, but you you, can. you went yeah. the route of you know paying buying mm-hmm. that you knew enough to get it copyrighted, which I am very much a 
Like I'm going to legally own my stuff before I put it out there for anyone. Now this podcast, I actually went so far as my daily fiction one. Like I Mm -hmm. own the registered trademark for the name, the logo and the tagline. Like I went through that for this one. I'm like, eh, like if I have to re rename it, it's, I don't really have a tagline. There's like the thing I say at the beginning. That's like the, you know, what's your favorite fairy tale when you were a kid? And I'm like, those are questions people can ask. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can't trademark fairy tale because like everybody literally has always used that. So yep. <laughs> it's not like superheroes. Um, you cannot call them superheroes in your books because Marvel and DC co-own the trademark for superhero. I actually did not know that. My husband is who figured that. <laughs> so he's writing a superhero book. And he's calling his, I don't remember what he's called, not superheroes, because he, like, you know, figured out yeah. that they owned that. <laughs> but The term, the coin term, that's insane they own that. Yep. They, and they, it was one of those, like, <laughs> they were both using it, and rather than fight for years and years and years to be the guy that won, they were just like, why don't we co-file, and then we don't have to, you know, spend all this money fighting each other for years. To probably both end up losing, to be honest, because yeah. like <laughs> they've both been doing you know comic books for forever, but yeah, exactly. they they co-own the and a lot they don't co-own superhero names or whatever, but both of them yeah. have their major superheroes like they own the likeness and the name and yeah all of that. Um, so my husband, who's my book, is also superheroes, but they don't have like fun superhero names. His do have fun superhero names. Um, and, like, costumes and stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. in his, he's had to be really careful not to copy any comic book yeah. likenesses because he was big into comic books as a kid. Um, still, we he has a ton of comic books still. <laughs> um, but, you know, be really careful not to copy, you know, any coloring or logos or anything that there are already out there. <laughs> so... That's gotta be so hard. There's thousands of superheroes. <laughs> yes, yes. And so some of them, like you can use the name on some of them. Like one of them, the name that he's used was like originally some king was nicknamed this. Like a really, really like way before Marvel and DC even existed. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you know, I can use that one because that was that guy's name. Like you know, six hundred years ago or whatever. <laughs> So it's like you can't they can't own that one, Um, but he can't use the same like logo or color scheme or anything for that one. Like you can't just straight up be like, I'm going to use Iron Man and red and white and blue. (laughs) You'd get in big trouble. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Like, yeah, no. I'm like, why don't we like not get us sued? Because they would sue like... (laughs) They take that one seriously. Yeah, no, you don't, you don't. Now, there are writers that do not copyright their stuff. Granted, it is still yours, even though it's not registered copyrighted. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, I've heard a lot of horror stories about, like, people stealing Vela stories. Because you're not, like, going and copywriting that as you go. So, I'm like, I might release mine as a Vela, but, like, I'm going to finish the whole thing first and copyright it and then yep. publish it as a Vela. Yep, yep. That's what I'm going to do. Yep. Because <laughs> I'm like, that way I own it already. And <laughs> even though it's mine because I wrote it, I just, like, you know, the legal paper paperwork to make my job 
easier if they do something stupid. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so now occasionally, um, I just came across my other podcast is called Bite at a Time Books, okay? And I have it registered and like you have to pick what category your trademarks are in. So it's like downloadable media, streaming media, and then like clothing items because I want to do like T-shirts. So I'm like, I should have done like stickers too, but I don't want to have to pay for that. So (laughs) like whatever. (laughs) Someone else can make the stickers, I guess, or not. Um, But so like I own it there and I just came across a thing that was calling something a book bite. And it was like a downloadable like audiobook thing. And I'm like, I feel like I could win that, but I also don't want to pay for that. So yeah. Like, pick pick the battle. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, what I don't want is <laughs> it's like like with any lawsuit, you can only get money if they have money. Mm-hmm. Because like if they're broke, there's no money. And also like I don't want to go around suing people. I just wanted to like own it and be able to have the little R yeah. next to my logo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, if I had someone straight up try to copy my entire thing, that's different. But, (laughs) like, eh, some semblance of the name. Like, eh, whatever. Um, But, yeah, books, like, I've, there's so many, I don't understand why people think they can get away with taking people's stuff um, and changing, you know, the location or the characters' names or, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I... I am very much a a fan of have the copyright paper in your hand before it goes out to people Mm -hmm. so that um, the protection. Right. In fact, I just came across an editor that talked about um, having like your beta readers and stuff sign NDAs, which is feels a little excessive. Yeah. But Um, at the same time, is it really? I mean, like, for the podcast, I have you guys sign, because I've seen in, like, podcast Facebook groups, horror stories of, like, Mm -hmm. you know, someone, say there's some person that's, um, I don't know, let's go with, like, Wiccan. We're we're Mm going to go with that one. So some, you know, person comes on a podcast and they're Wiccan, and then suddenly they decide, oh, no, now I'm Christian, and, like, I need you to pull that episode because, like, I don't agree with anything that I said back in the day. <laughs> so, like, there's a certain extent of, like, you know, be reasonable with your pulling your interview. But, like, some people will talk about, like, that was their best episode ever. And now the person's <laughs> telling them to pull it. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so Jeez. I have you guys sign partially so that if you're coming at me with an unreasonable request for pulling it down because yeah and I've quite honestly edited out some of my own talking really stupid on here before um (laughs) but like I'm not gonna edit it and make it seem like you said something you didn't say like Mm -hmm. I may cut out parts where it's like eh, that sounds kind of (laughs) bad the robotic speaking Yeah, yeah. So that's why I asked you the question afterwards again. So I had a clean version of it. <laughs> and I've edited out like dogs barking or people knocking on doors. <laughs> like, <laughs> my dog, my, I was talking to someone earlier today and my dog kept barking. My husband came home and she's barking at my husband. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and my phone rang. My phone rang too. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> like, all, could everything go wrong in, in one hour? One hour. That's so funny. 
So what are the biggest tips or tricks that you would give to someone either just starting out or someone that is still trying to figure out what they're doing? What are the biggest tips and tricks you've got? Don't stress about it, but make an end goal. End Mm -hmm. goal of when that first draft needs to be completed. I wouldn't suggest doing a publication goal until your draft is done. Mm-hmm. But, but set yourself a goal. Don't stress, but keep with the goal. Make it day by day. So what are your, what would you say would be a reasonable, like, time frame goal for that first draft? Like, I wouldn't set it less than however long. It really depends. I mean... For me personally, I wouldn't set it less than four months. I don't think I could write a full, you know, 110,000 word draft in less than four months. Mm -hmm. But there are some authors that I've met who are pushing out, you know, two or three first drafts in three months. Mm -hmm. So they're writing a book a month. Um, So it really depends on, you know, you, your time schedule, you know, with work and everything with life, and then just kind of knowing, and of course, it's different once you know your writing habits, but if you're just mm-hmm. starting out, it's the matter of figuring out, okay, well, if I sit for an hour, I usually average this amount of words, mm-hmm. or um, maybe there's not an average of words, and so like for you, it's a time thing. You have your 10 minutes. It doesn't matter how many words you get. It's 10 minutes, mm-hmm. and so it really depends on the writing habits, and you yeah, you, know, you have to play around with it and figure out what works best. Well, it's the same with like, think weight loss goals, which more people will understand that. Some people setting, I'm going to lose this much weight a week is a really good goal. Some people, yeah. you know, if you've had like eating disorder background, it may just be like, I'm going to eat fruits and vegetables and, you know, lean meats and mm-hmm. stay healthy as opposed to like, I'm going to hit this many calories every day. Yeah. Um, oh, it's going to be different. Could I have told you in September of 2021 that I narrate at roughly 9,500 words an hour? No, I could not have told you that. Or that it's probably going to take me about an hour and a half to actually narrate that hour because I screw up sometimes. (laughs) No, but I figured, you know, the first couple months you figure out, same with writing, you figure out what your thing is. Um, I don't honestly think it matters if it's a time goal or a date goal or a word count each day goal. Like a goal is a goal. Yeah. If word count makes sense in your head, go for that. If Mm -hmm. I can commit to 30 minutes a day works in your head, do that. Do that. Yeah. Now I've talked to several, um, several authors that talked about the importance of like being in it every day as best as you can. Yes. Um, And then some like, your weekends, you're going to be able to do more because, yeah. you know, if you don't have kids and activities for kids, you have free time <laughs> on the weekends where you're not working your day job or whatever. <laughs> and some, the weekends is the worst time because the kids are doing <laughs> soccer and football. <laughs> my weekends, I only do interviews on Saturdays because my Sundays are busy and the rest of the week I'm like day job and narrating. So yeah. <laughs> that is you got to do whatever your goal is. Set exactly. in. I have reminders on my phone, too, to remind me at 7 o'clock, whatever I'm doing, put it down, and I read a chapter a day and a book that is not related to narrating, and then I spend 10 minutes on my book immediately after that. That's awesome. <laughs> that was 
New Year's resolutions was like, we're going to commit to like, I'm not just working on books I'm getting paid for. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Well, that is some pretty, that's a good, I like goal setting. What do you, so once you, um, what are the different goals that you set for yourself? So you have the first draft one. And then once you finished that, what's the next goal that you set? Next goal um, is, you know, then just finding the beta readers. Um, with book one, I had no clue how long to give beta readers. You uh-huh. know, I was saying, oh, get it back to me as soon as you can. <laughs> Which sometimes <laughs> that was like five months later, I'd be reaching out like, hey, have you finished? <laughs> like, did you forget? But this time around, I'm like, no, a month. I mean, honestly, I probably could have said two weeks with most of them. Uh But, you know, this first group, I'm saying a month, have it done by the end of January. I sent it to them, you know, within the first week. And I'm like, just have it done by the end of January. Uh So it's setting a timetable with them. Right. I do the same with um, like audio. So through ACX is where I get most of my jobs. And Mm -hmm. I think they give once the full thing is done, it's like a 10 day time frame in the contract that they give you. And, like, I've had a couple authors that, like, I had one that her day job all of a sudden basically blew up. And she was, like, took her, like, a month or two to get it back to me. And I'm, like, just keep me updated. Like, it's okay if it takes you longer. I had one that, like, was, like, I'm having a hard time. And I was finally, like, listen to a chapter while you're drinking your coffee in the morning. And then, you know, it was, like, a 20-chapter book. So I'm, like, in 20 days, I'll have it back. Like, yeah. or, you know, listen to a chapter before you go to bed at night. Like, whatever time you just one a day is one a day at least you're making progress um so like at this point I'm like um I have one author that's having like mental health stuff going on right now I'm like just like take care of you just keep me updated you know every couple days every week or so let me know what's going on like (laughs) yeah not saying you got to give me all the nitty-gritty details just like how are you (laughs) feeling today in fact I just reached out to her a couple days ago um to see like you know, what's the status? Where are we at? Because like um, for mine, what I do for edits, I send a Google Doc with like mm-hmm. the book and then all the chapters on it so that they can put timestamps and what they want changed for mm-hmm. editing. So I can also see how far they are listening because it's my Google Doc that I have yeah. shared to them. So I can see how far they are. Same with you with beta readers in the Google Doc. Mm-hmm. Based on the comments, you can see how far they are into the book. Um, just like the things that you, I didn't do that at the beginning. That's definitely not how I did it. I didn't even think to ask for timestamps until I had an author that sent me timestamps. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much easier to go find (laughs) these spots to edit now. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm having to listen through like in chapter two, you said blah, blah, blah. And you're like, where is that? I don't (laughs) know. Somewhere in chapter two, somewhere in that 30 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. So now I'm like, now I'm like timestamps. Like, if you want anything changed, you must provide me the mm-hmm. chapter, the approximate. If you get, you know, 30 seconds before or after, I can, you know, listen forward or back a little bit. That's fine. But I'm like, you have the approximate timestamp. And what's wrong? Did I say something not sarcastic enough? Did I accidentally say something in a mad tone and it should have been in a sweet tone? Like, I don't know how you messed that up, but I did once. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> the author was like, um... I'm like, well, you could have taken that line either way. So I didn't know. (laughs) But just things that you, no matter what you're doing, you learn, you pick up these little 
tricks as you go. And seriously, all of you guys have different tips and tricks that are like the things you think are, this is the most important. But for like (laughs) me, who doesn't have a book out yet, I like stored them away in the back of my head for like when I'm ready for that stage. (laughs) Do it this way instead so that you know... (laughs) You know, you've given them a deadline. I saw a narrator talked about she will give out free codes. And she says, if you don't redeem it within two weeks, I'm passing it on to the next person in line. Mm. So like, fair. which that, <laughs> that's so dumb because with the codes, it's literally click a link and then sign into your account and it's redeemed. Yeah. Um, but apparently that's too hard for some people to do. I don't know. I click links all the time and emails all the time. <laughs> <laughs> from legitimate legitimate sources i should say um, <laughs> i click on every link and every email i ever receive congratulations legitimate, legitimate sourced email <laughs> my, my husband will get stuff on his phone and he's like is this a legit email and i'm like no don't click on anything <laughs> that's so funny but you know those I hate spammy mills. Anyways, <laughs> it's like way <laughs> off topic. <laughs> All right. Well, I think um, unless you have anything else, I think we're good. Well, that was that was just fun. Was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And well, I hope you have a good you. rest of your day. Thanks. You too. This was great. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. Bye. Bye. Getting older, Kelsey liked Peter Pan. Peter Pan is a fictional character created by Scottish novelist and playwright J.M. Barrie, a free-spirited and mischievous young boy who can fly and never grows up. Peter Pan spends his never-ending childhood having adventures on the mythical island of Neverland as the leader of the Lost Boys, interacting with fairies, pirates, mermaids, Native Americans, and occasionally ordinary children from the world outside Neverland. Peter Pan has become a cultural icon symbolizing youthful innocence and escapism. In addition to two distinct works by Barry, The Little White Bird, 1902, with chapters 13 to 18 published in Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens in 1906, and the West End stage play Peter Pan, or The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up, 1904, which expanded into the 1911 novel Peter and Wendy. The character has been featured in a variety of media and merchandise, both adapting and expanding on Barry's works. These include the 1924 silent film, 1953 Disney animated film, a 2003 dramatic live-action film, a television series, and many other works. Barry commissioned a statue of Peter Pan by the sculptor George Frampton, which was erected overnight in Kensington Gardens on 30 April 1912 as a surprise to the children of London. Six other statues have been cast from the original mold and displayed around the world. In 2002, Peter Pan featured on a series of UK postage stamps issued by the Royal Mail on the centenary of Barry's creation of the character. Today, we'll be reading Chapter 1 of Peter Pan by J.M. Barry. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Peter Pan Chapter 1. Peter Breaks Through All children except one grow up, 
They soon know that they will grow up. And the way Wendy knew was this. One day, when she was two years old, she was playing in a garden. And she plucked another flower and ran with it to her mother. I suppose she must have looked rather delightful. For Mrs. Darling put her hand to her heart and cried, Oh, why can't you remain like this forever? This was all that passed between them on the subject. But henceforth, Wendy knew that she must grow up. You always know after you are two. Two is the beginning of the end. Of course, they lived at 14. And until Wendy came, her mother was the chief one. She was a lovely lady, with a romantic mind and such a sweet mocking mouth. Her romantic mind was like the tiny boxes one within the other that come from the puzzling east. However many you discover, there is always one more, and her sweet mocking mouth had one kiss on it that Wendy could never get. But there it was, perfectly conspicuous in the right-hand corner. The way Mr. Darling won her was this. The many gentlemen who had been boys when she was a girl discovered simultaneously that they loved her, and they all ran to her house to propose to her except Mr. Darling, who took a cab and nipped in first. And so he got her. He got all of her, except the innermost box and the kiss. He never knew about the box. And in time, he gave up trying for the kiss. Wendy thought Napoleon could have got it. But I can picture him trying, and then going off in a passion at slamming the door. Mr. Darling used to boast to Wendy that her mother not only loved him, but respected him. He was one of those deep ones who know about stocks and shares. Of course, no one really knows, but he quite seemed to know, and he often said stocks were up and shares were down in a way that would have made any woman respect him. Mrs. Darling was married in white, and at first she kept the books perfectly, almost gleefully as if it were a game, not so much as a Brussels sprout was missing. But by and by, whole cauliflowers dropped out, and instead of them, there were pictures of babies without faces. She drew them when she should have been totting up. They were Mrs. Darling's guesses. Wendy came first, then John, then Michael. For a week or two after Wendy came, it was doubtful whether they would be able to keep her, as she was another mouth to feed. Mr. Darling was frightfully proud of her, but he was very honorable, and he sat on the edge of Mrs. Darling's bed, holding her hand and calculating expenses, while she looked at him imploringly. She wanted to risk it, come what might, but this was not his way. His way was with a pencil and a piece of paper, and if she confused him with suggestions, he had to begin at the beginning again. Now don't interrupt, he would beg of her. I have one pound seventeen here and two and six at the office. I can cut off my coffee at the office, say ten shillings, making two, nine, and six. With your eighteen and three makes three, nine, seven. With five, not, not in my checkbook makes eight, nine, seven. Who is that moving? Eight, nine, seven, dot, and carry seven. Don't speak, my own and the pound you lent to that man who came to the door. Quiet child. Dot and carry child. There, you've done it. Did I say 997? Yes, I said 997. The question is, can we try it for a year on 997? 
Of course we can, George, she cried. But she was prejudiced in Wendy's favor, and he was really the grander character of the two. Remember, Mumps, he warned her almost threateningly, and off he went again. Mumps one pound. That is what I've put down, but I dare say it will be more like thirty shillings. Don't speak. Measles, one five. German measles, half a guinea, makes two fifteen six. Don't waggle your finger. Whooping cough? Say, fifteen shillings. And so on it went. And it added up differently each time. But at last, Wendy just got through, with mumps reduced to twelve six and the two kinds of measles treated as one. There was the same excitement over John, and Michael had even a narrower squeak. But both were kept. And soon, you might have seen the three of them going in a row to Miss Folsom's kindergarten school, accompanied by their nurse. Mrs. Darling loved to have everything just so, and Mr. Darling had a passion for being exactly like his neighbors. So, of course, they had a nurse. As they were poor, owing to the amount of milk the children drank, this nurse was a prim Newfoundland dog called Nana, who had belonged to no one in particular until the Darlings engaged her. She had always thought children important, however, and the Darlings had become acquainted with her in Kensington Gardens, where she spent most of her spare time peeping into perambulators and was much hated by careless nursemaids, whom she followed to their homes and complained of to their mistresses. She proved to be quite a treasure of a nurse. How thorough she was at bath time, and up at any moment of the night if one of her charges made the slightest cry— of course, her kennel was in the nursery. She had a genius for knowing when a cough is a thing to have no patience with and when it needs stalking around your throat. She believed to her last day in old-fashioned remedies like rhubarb leaf and made sounds of contempt over all this newfangled talk about germs and so on. It was a lesson in propriety to see her escorting the children to school, walking sedately by their side when they were well-behaved, and butting them back into line if they strayed. On John's footer days, she never once forgot his sweater, and she usually carried an umbrella in her mouth in case of rain. There's a room in the basement of Miss Folsom's school where the nurses wait. They sat on forms while Nana lay on the floor, but that was the only difference. They affected to ignore her as of an inferior social status to themselves, and she despised their light talk. She resented visits to the nursery from Mrs. Darling's friends. But if they did come, she first whipped off Michael's pinafore and put him into the one with blue braiding, and smoothed out Wendy and made a dash at John's hair. No nursery could possibly have been conducted more correctly, and Mr. Darling knew it. Yet he sometimes wondered uneasily whether the neighbors talked. He had his position in the city to consider. Nana also troubled him in another way. He had sometimes a feeling that she did not admire him. I know she admires you tremendously, George, Mrs. Darling would assure him. And then she would sign to the children to be specially nice to father. Lovely dances followed, in which the only other servant, Liza, was sometimes allowed to join. Such a midget she looked in her long skirt and maid's cap, though she had sworn, when engaged, that she would never see ten again. The gaiety of those romps and gayest of all was Mrs. Darling, who would pirouette so wildly that all you could see of her was the kiss. And then, if you had dashed at her, you might have got it. There never was a simpler, happier family until the coming of Peter Pan. 
Mrs. Darling first heard of Peter when she was tidying up her children's minds. It is the nightly custom of every good mother after her children are asleep to rummage in their minds and put things straight for next morning, repacking into their proper places the many articles that have wandered during the day. If you could keep awake. But of course you can't. You would see your own mother doing this, and you would find it very interesting to watch her. It is quite like tidying up drawers. You would see her on her knees, I expect, lingering humorously over some of your contents, wondering where on earth you had picked this thing up, making discoveries sweet and not so sweet, pressing this to her cheek as if it were as nice as a kitten, and hurriedly stowing that out of sight. When you wake in the morning, the naughtiness and evil passions with which you went to bed have been folded up small and placed at the bottom of your mind, and on the top, beautifully aired, are spread out your prettier thoughts, ready for you to put on. I don't know whether you've seen a map of a person's mind. Doctors sometimes draw maps of other parts of you, and your own map can become intensely interesting. But catch them trying to draw a map of a child's mind, which is not only confused, but keeps going round all the time. There are zigzag lines on it, just like your temperature on a card, and these are probably roads in the island, for the Neverland is always more or less an island, with astonishing splashes of color here and there, and coral reefs and rakish-looking craft in the offing, and savages and lonely lairs and gnomes who are mostly tailors, and caves through which a river runs, and princes with six elder brothers, and a hut fast going to decay, and one very small old lady with a hooked nose. It would be an easy map if that were all. But there is also first day at school, religion, fathers, the round pond, needlework, murders, hangings, verbs that take the dative, chocolate pudding day, getting into braces, say, 99, three pence for pulling out your tooth yourself, and so on. And either these are part of the island, or they are another map showing through. And it is all rather confusing, especially as nothing will stand still. Of course, the Neverlands vary a good deal. John's, for instance, had a lagoon with flamingos flying over it, at which John was shooting, while Michael, who was very small, had a flamingo with lagoons flying over it. John lived in a boat turned upside down on the sands, Michael in a wigwam, Wendy in a house of leaves deftly sewn together. John had no friends. Michael had friends at night. Wendy had a pet wolf forsaken by its parents, but on the whole, the Neverlands had a family resemblance. And if they stood still in a row, you could say of them that they have each other's nose and so forth. On these magic shores, children at play are forever beaching their coracles. We, too, have been there. We can still hear the sound of the surf, though we shall land no more. Of all delectable islands, the Neverland is the snuggest and most compact, not large and sprawly, you know with tedious distances between one adventure and another, but nicely crammed. When you play at it by day with the chairs and tablecloth, it is not in the least alarming. But in the two minutes before you go to sleep, it becomes very real. That is why there are nightlights. Occasionally in her travels through her children's minds, Mrs. Darling found things she could not understand. And of these, quite the most perplexing was the word Peter, she knew of no Peter. And yet he was here and there in John and Michael's minds, while Wendy's began to be scrawled all over with him. 
The name stood out in bolder letters than any of the other words. And as Mrs. Darling gazed, she felt that it had an oddly cocky appearance. Yes, he is rather cocky, Wendy admitted with regret. Her mother had been questioning her. But who is he, my pet? He is Peter Pan. You know, mother. At first, Mrs. Darling did not know. But after thinking back into her childhood, she just remembered a Peter Pan, who was said to live with the fairies. There were odd stories about him, as that when children died, he went part of the way with them, so that they should not be frightened. She had believed in him at the time, but now that she was married and full of sense, she quite doubted whether there was any such person. Besides, she said to Wendy, he would be grown up by this time. Oh no, he isn't grown up, Wendy assured her confidently, and he's just my size. She meant that he was her size in both mind and body. She didn't know how she knew. She just knew it. Mrs. Darling consulted Mr. Darling, but he smiled poo-poo. Mark my words, he said. It is some nonsense Nana has been putting into their heads. Just the sort of idea a dog would have. Leave it alone and it will blow over. But it would not blow over. And soon, the troublesome boy gave Mrs. Darling quite a shock. Children have the strangest adventures without being troubled by them. For instance, they may remember to mention, a week after the event happened, that when they were in the wood, they had met their dead father and had a game with him. It was in this casual way that Wendy one morning made a disquieting revelation. Some leaves of a tree had been found on the nursery floor, which certainly was not there when the children went to bed. And Mrs. Darling was puzzling over them when Wendy said with a tolerant smile, I do believe it is that Peter again. Whatever do you mean, Wendy? It is so naughty of him not to wipe his feet, Wendy said, sighing. She was a tidy child. She explained in quite a matter-of-fact way that she thought Peter sometimes came to the nursery in the night and sat on the foot of her bed and played on his pipes to her. Unfortunately, she never woke. So she didn't know how she knew, she just knew. What nonsense you talk, precious. No one can get into the house without knocking. I think he comes in by the window, she said. My love, it is three floors up. Were not the leaves at the foot of the window, mother? It was quite true. The leaves had been found very near the window. Mrs. Darling did not know what to think, for it all seemed so natural to Wendy that you could not dismiss it by saying she had been dreaming. My child, the mother cried, why did you not tell me of this before? I forgot, said Wendy lightly. She was in a hurry to get her breakfast. Oh, surely she must have been dreaming. But on the other hand, there were the leaves. Mrs. Darling examined them very carefully. They were skeleton leaves, but she was sure they did not come from any tree that grew in England. She crawled about the floor, peering at it with a candle for marks of a strange foot. She rattled the poker up the chimney and tapped the walls. She let down a tape from the window to the pavement, and it was a sheer drop of thirty feet, without so much as a spout to climb up by. Certainly Wendy had been dreaming. But Wendy had not been dreaming, as the very next night showed the night on which the extraordinary adventures of these children may be said to have begun. On the night we speak of, all the children were once more in bed. It happened to be Nana's evening off and Mrs. Darling had bathed them and sung to them till one by one they had let go her hand, 
and slid away into the land of sleep. All were looking so safe and cozy that she smiled at her fears now and sat down tranquilly by the fire to sew. It was something for Michael, who on his birthday was getting into shirts. The fire was warm, however, and the nursery dimly lit by three nightlights, and presently the sewing lay on Mrs. Darling's lap. Then her head nodded. Oh, so gracefully. She was asleep. Look at the four of them. Wendy and Michael over there, John here and Mrs. Darling by the fire. There should have been a fourth nightlight. While she slept, she had a dream. She dreamt that the Neverland had come too near and that a strange boy had broken through from it. He did not alarm her, for she thought she had seen him before in the faces of many women who have no children. Perhaps he is to be found in the faces of some mothers also. But in her dream, he had rent the film that obscures the Neverland, and she saw Wendy and John and Michael peeping through the gap. The dream by itself would have been a trifle. But while she was dreaming, the window of the nursery blew open, and a boy did drop on the floor. He was accompanied by a strange light, no bigger than your fist, which darted about the room like a living thing. And I think it must have been this light that wakened Mrs. Darling. She started up with a cry and saw the boy, and somehow she knew at once that he was Peter Pan. If you or I or Wendy had been there, we should have seen that he was very like Mrs. Darling's kiss. He was a lovely boy, clad in skeleton leaves and the juices that ooze out of trees. But the most entrancing thing about him was that he had all his first teeth. When he saw she was grown up, he gnashed the little pearls at her. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for Kate's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and to hear one of her favorite fairy tales.